Y'all ready for God's word? 2 Kings chapter 7. 2 Kings chapter 7, verse 3, and it reads, Now there were four leprous men at the entrance of the gate, and they said to one another, Why are we sitting here until we die? If we say we will enter the city, the famine is in the city, and we shall die there. And if we sit here, we die also. Now therefore, come, let us surrender to the army of the Syrians. If they keep us alive, we shall live. And if they kill us, we shall, I love this word, only die. What's the worst that could happen? We have dead anyway, so let's just give it a shot. And they rose at twilight to go to the camp of the Syrians. And when they had come to the outskirts of the Syrian camp, to their surprise, no one was there. For the Lord had caused the army of the Syrians to hear the noise of the chariots and the noise of the horses, the noise of a great army. So they said to one another, look, the king of Israel has hired against us the kings of the Hittites and the kings of the Egyptians to attack us. Therefore, they arose and fled at twilight and left the camp intact, their tents, their horses, and their donkeys, and they fled for their lives. Now, I am being so well-behaved right now because I'm just reading the opening passage and I'm not preaching any of it. You have no idea how difficult it is for a preacher to not preach when you're reading this much revelation, so I'm not going to preach. But if I were to preach, I would say that Israel currently is locked up in a city because they're surrounded by the enemy. And they had no idea that God had already chased away their enemy. And they were locked up in fear and they were afraid of nothing because there was nothing out there. Some of us are petrified, are paralyzed in fear of what is this sickness going to turn into? Not knowing God has already defeated that sickness. And some of you are worried about this and this and that. And the enemy said this and not knowing that the battle has already been won. But I'm not preaching. Okay, verse 7. Therefore they arose and fled at twilight and left the camp intact, their tents, their horses, and their donkeys, and they fled for their life. If I were to preach again, just hear me. If the enemy is attacking you, it will cost him more, and it will result in the greatest victory you have ever experienced. God demands that the enemy returns double for your trouble. When the lepers came to the outskirts of the camp, they went into one tent, ate and drank, and carried from it silver and gold and clothing, and went and hid. Then they came back and entered another tent and carried some from there also, and went and hid it. Verse 9, here's a big one. Then they said to one another, we are not doing right. This day is a day of good news, and we're keeping it to ourselves. If we wait until morning light, some punishment will come upon us. Now, therefore, come, let us go and tell the king's household. I have a message today entitled, But Did We Die? But did we die? Father God, we're grateful, we're thankful that you are worthy of all our worship. And God, we're not going to be stingy with our worship. We declare you're an awesome God. You're a mighty God. You are worthy of all that we have to give him more. God, as our worship goes up, God, your presence comes down. Whatever we stand in need of, God, whether it's healing, whether it's wisdom, whether it's peace, whether it's whatever we need, God, you have it in this room. God, I pray that you'd have your way. Take us one step closer to all that you have for us. In Jesus' name we pray. 
amen and amen. Come on, somebody shout amen. Amen. We are in week three, week three of a series called It's Not That Deep. The problem is relationships are that deep. They're complicated. They're overwhelming. There's a bunch of them to manage. And the whole idea of this series is that if we can just have one thing, one thought from God's word that we apply to our dating, to our marriages, to raising our kids or whatever it may be, listen, you didn't get into the position you're in last night. Like we've been working on this dysfunction for a while. So we don't need God to get us out of it overnight. I just need one thought that I can apply to my life that will take me one step closer to all that God has for me. Somebody say amen. Amen. The relationships we're talking about today, you're not going to see coming. You may have never heard anybody even preach about this relationship in your life, but I'm telling you, it is a catalyst. It is a key to you fulfilling all that God has for you. Uh, uh, But before I I get there, though, I need to vent about my wife because she doesn't believe in me, but God did. Um, I, I am a self-proclaimed handyman. I, I can fix almost anything across the entire house that I put my mind to. And I just feel by the murmurs that you lack faith, just like my wife lacks faith. But that doesn't matter because God believes in me. I'm serious though. My granddad was a carpenter by trade. He built cabinets and tables and chairs and furniture and all that other good stuff. And, and he passed it on to my dad. My dad built decks. And it's just, if you're a Chandler man, you know how to work with your hands. You can, Now, I didn't say cars. I don't lift up the engine of a car. I don't know what's going on in there. It got nothing to do with me. But if it's, I, I, I could change a light bulb. I could do that all by myself. I sure can. And I don't even fall off the ladder when I do it. I, I could change light fixtures. I could fix squeaky doorknobs. I could do a little bit of plumbing. I, I, it, it's not that I can't. I can. It's just that in all that's going on, actually getting to it. Is, is a whole different story. And this is not the marriage message, and I don't have time to go back to there, but it's just a little bitterness in my heart. Why do you women, <laughs> when you say, hey, babe, the, the doorknob is squeaky, can you fix it? When, 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 when I was saying, hey, this is squeaky, can you fix it? Here's what really happened. It's been squeaking for like four weeks. Week one, she tried to fix it herself, and it got worse. Week three through this conversation is gritting on her nerves. So when she says, can you fix it? What she means is yesterday. Can you fix it yesterday? When I say, yes, I can fix it. What I mean is it will be repaired before Jesus returns. I, I can guarantee you when he cracks the sky, that won't be squeaking. I've got you. It's not, we're just, we're just missing each other on timing. And, and what drives me nuts is she'll, she'll get tired of me taking too long to fix it. She'll, she'll you know, go online, get some, some little handyman to come to my house, and he'll come and he'll tighten one screw. $200 bill. If you're going to rob me, at least have a gun and a mask. Don't walk in, let me see your face and walk out. I mean, I'm like, there is no way I am paying that man to do what I can do 
man, going to. So, so we, and this, my wife came to me last, last week. She's like, babe, the, 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 the water heater, the, the, the temperature of the water, it's just not getting hot. It's kind of cold. I'm going to call a plumber. I said, no. I've been robbed too many. I got this. She said, babe, the kids got to take showers. You've got to fix it. I said, I got this. Three days later, I was like, okay, 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 don't, I'm go. So I'm like, okay, here we go. So, so, so I go where everybody goes when they're trying to repair something in their house. I go to YouTube, because YouTube, <laughs> listen, if you've got to do surgery on yourself, go on YouTube. It'll tell you where to do the incision. It, I mean, you can learn everything on YouTube. So I go on YouTube. I watch it. Pull up my water, water heater. I watch the video. It says pull it out from the outlet first so you don't kill yourself. And take the plate off. Pull out the insulation. I was like, I got this. So first, I had to find the water heater. Why do they always hide them? <laughs> Golly. It's <laughs> Climb by the seven boxes we never unpacked from the seven years ago when we moved. And so I walked through the steps. I unplugged the water heater so I didn't kill myself. I opened the plate, pulled out the insulation. You see the little, there were like these words, but I didn't read them because they weren't relevant. But it had this little thing, hot, hot, hotter. And I just turned it hotter and put the insulation back, put the plate back on. And y'all, when I was done, I mean, the S that just formed on my chest, it was just like... I am man, hear me roar. I came upstairs. She said, how did it go? I said, I told you, woman. Don't doubt me. There's nothing I can't do. We went to bed, woke up the next morning. My kids are taking shit. I hear this blood curdling scream. <laughs> Daddy, the water's cold. I'm like, what could it be? What could it be? <laughs> Before it was lukewarm and I was trying to get it hotter. And it was only two bathrooms. Now the whole house. Ice cold. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm pulling things apart and can't work it, can't fix it. And she's like, you've got to fix this. And I was like, I gotta calm down. It took me two days to figure it out. I'm just frustrated. I'm looking at this hot water heater. All my kids stink because they ain't showering. I don't know what's going on. And I'm looking. I like watched the video. I read the directions. And, and I, I unplugged it out of the outlet so I wouldn't kill myself. And, and I'm... I never plugged that joint back in. <laughs> it's, just, it's just a dumb little plug. Everything else works. And because I forgot one little step, nothing else worked. I'd like to humbly submit to you that you could miss one little step and none of your other relationships will work. And when I tell you what this step is, you're going to think it's so inconsequential. It's not a big deal. It's not. But I'm telling you, all of your relationships are feeding off of this one thing. You ready for it? Most adults don't have real friends. 
By the way, not one amen up in this Methodist church. Every Catholic in this room just like. We see friendships. It's kid stuff. Busy. I got, I got kids to take care of. I got a spouse. I got work. I got to put food on them. Who has time to just hang out with the fellas? And that's, what, that's what we did back in. I, I don't have time to hang out with my, my girl. I, I, I'm mature now. And here's what we don't realize. First of all, friendship is from God and of God. And there are design purposes that God has for friends in our lives. And watch this. When we don't have not just friends, but covenant friendships in our lives, here's what happens. We put more weight on our other relationships than they were designed to bear. So if I have a spouse, but I don't have friends then I rely on my spouse to give me everything that I need relationally. If my spouse doesn't make me laugh, I'm not getting one laugh all week. Come on now. If my spouse doesn't have time to hear about whatever I'm unpacking in my mind, I, it's just going to sit there and fester. Some of y'all are married to a fester. Are you okay? I'm just thinking. You look constipated. We got to. <laughs> Come on now. Some of you are laughing because you want to cry. Because <laughs> you got parents that are all up in your life because they have no friends. Ooh, this just got real. Get out my home, Pastor White. Come on now. Their only friends are their kids. And without even realizing it, we're missing such a key that makes every other area of our lives thrive. Here's what the Bible says about friends. Ecclesiastes chapter 4 verse 9 says this. Two are better than one. Because they have a good reward for their labor. And, and I want you to catch these words. Somebody say if. if. Talking about two friends. For if they fall... One will lift up his companion, but woe. One translation says, but I pity the person with no friends. It says, but woe to him who is alone. Watch this. For Did you catch that? If I've got friends, falling is an if. But if I'm walking through life by myself, it's a when. And when he falls. For he has no one to help him up. Hear me. Life was never meant to be done alone. And blood is not enough to push us towards all that God has for us. Now, I, I, I'm going to spend about three more minutes trying to convince you you cannot fulfill your destiny without the right friends in your life. But I've got to clarify what type of friends I'm talking about. Because some of you social butterflies, y'all just got hundreds of people and friends. How many of us have them? <sighs> just because we say we're friends doesn't mean the word friend means the same for Now, some of y'all are really uncomfortable because you invited a friend to church. <laughs> and they're about to find out what friend they are to you. But that ain't my problem. That's your problem. Okay. <laughs> 
A couple, 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 couple kinds of friends. Here's here a couple of friends that, that we have in our lives. All of us have what I call have to be friends. Are y'all friends? Yeah, we're friends. Why? Because we have to be. Why do you have to be friends? Because our wives are friends. And because our wives are friends, every time they want to hang out, we got to hang out. And I'm looking at him, he's looking at me. We got nothing in common. This joint is awkward as a mug. But if you say, are we friends? We friends. We have to be. Our kids are in the same class, and they all want these stupid playdates. And I'm just... So, how was your week? <laughs> we, we have to be friends. We have what I call business friends. Now, I, I do have to say this. Us Gen Zers, Wires, Millennials, sometimes we, we don't get this right. I, I think the generation before us, they, they, they got it a little bit. They, they, we just put the friend label on everything. Here, here's, what, here's what the generation before us, they would say, I have a business contact. We just say, I got a friend. If all they do is make you more money or hook you up, the last friend group are people that you're looking to win to Jesus. People that are not followers of God. They're people that, that I, I, I need, I want them to know the hope, the joy, the freedom that I have in Jesus Christ. And by the way, you should have these type of friends in your life. The Bible says it's the goodness of the Lord that leads people to repentance. So yes, invite them to church, share your faith, but love on them. And you should have friends that you're leading to Jesus. And the problem is we get a little carried away with that. We, you know, well, Jesus hung around with sinners too, so I hang around with sinners. Jesus hung around with prostitutes and thieves and all that other good stuff, and he did. But Jesus never hit a lick with the stick-up boys, okay? No, 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 no. <laughs> Read your Bible. When they were out robbing people, Jesus was not there. When Jesus hung out with prostitutes, it wasn't at a brothel. Come on now. Can we talk plain? Jesus didn't go to the sinners. The sinners came to. What are you doing in the club? I'm a light in the dark. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a light in the dark. You lit all right, but that's not the light that we're talking about. People need light in dark places. No, can I tell you what happens? Darkness comes to light. You're tracking with me. And we've got to be honest about the relationships that we have in our lives. And we all need covenant friends. People that are pushing us to all that God has for us. Somebody say amen. amen. So the rest of the time, I just want to give you three things that you're looking for. How do I find this person? What am I looking for in a covenant friend? The first thing is this. I'm looking for friends that won't let me settle. I'm looking for friends that won't let me settle. Here's what it says in verse four. Hey, I, I wish the Bible gave us which leper said this. It just said there was four men with leprosy. It didn't tell us one. But one of these dudes was a little bit more turned and had a little bit more of a past than the other. He said, why are we sitting here until we die? 
If we say we will enter the city, the famine is in the city, and we shall die there. And if we sit here, we die also. Now, therefore, come. Let us surrender to the army of the Syrians. If they keep us alive, we shall live. And if they kill us, we shall only. You need a friend that you can say, but did we die? Yo, that was risky. Yeah, but did we die? That was wild. We made it. But did we die is what we named the first meal that I ever cooked for Zai. <laughs> it was nothing to do with the message. But it was our first Valentine's Day. This was before we were married. It was actually 10 years ago. And me and my best friend, we said, hey, we're not even going to take We were cheap, y'all. We're not going to take him out to a restaurant. We're going to cook for our girlfriend. So, so we said we're going to make steak and fettuccine. Only problem is, I didn't know a sirloin from a tenderloin from a T-bone. I just know it was red meat. So we went out and got some skirt steaks. I don't know if you know what a skirt steak is, but it's as thin as a skirt. It is only for making tacos. We got some skirt. Bro, when them tacos were finished cooking, I mean, that thing looked like you should put it on a Cadillac. She chipped the tooth. We, we, we fasted, not literally, but it was bad. We fasted our first Valentine's, not on purpose, but because this was not. But did we die? We had a blast. Here in the Bible, in 2 Kings, Israel was in a position where they were surrounded by the enemy. The enemy said, we don't feel like coming in there and killing y'all because that's too bloody and too exhausting. We're just going to surround the city and wait out here until you starve. And when y'all run out of food, let us know and we go come in and take over. So Israel was locked up. They, they, they weren't letting anybody out. But all the lepers, people that had the disease of leprosy, were cast outside of the city. They were not allowed to be around anybody else because it was so contagious. So here they are on the outside of the city. And by the way, a lot of our friendships will start because of common struggles. I've got leprosy. You've got leprosy. You grew up on this side of town. I grew up on this side of town. You, you, you fought with this disease, I fought with this disease. And, and hear me, there's nothing wrong with relationships starting out through common struggle. It just can't stay there. It, it, it's actually easier to connect with people that have the same struggle because you don't need a translator. When I say this, you know exactly what I'm talking about. And some of you hasn't experienced that. I've got I've to decode what I actually meant. It can start there. It just can't stay there. So one leper looks at another leper and says, why are we sitting here waiting to die? We got a death sentence because of this sickness anyway. We might as well live our lives. Here's what I love. One of them said, hey, how about we go back into the city? Do you understand that it was illegal as a leper to go into the city unless a priest has declared you clean? And even though it was illegal for this leper, it was still an option. What am I preaching? You need some friends in your life that I don't know what the rules are. I just know what we're not fitting to do is stay right here. I don't want to get locked up, but we may not get caught. So let's give it. You just need people in your life that says, I refuse to be a victim. I refuse to. We are going to move forward in our lives. I don't know how we're going to do it, but this time next year. Our marriages are not going to look like this. Now, it may be worse, but it ain't going to be this. Because <laughs> we're going to try something. This time next year, our finances are not going to look like this. 
We might be more broke than we are right now, but at least we tried. This time next year, my faith is not going to look like what it looks like. I might have backslid a few times, but I'm a, we're not staying here. And some people want nothing more out of life than they've already experienced. Hear me. Run for your life. Get around people that are constantly pushing you forward. Now, I'm going to be nice to you. Not really. As we preach messages like this, we, we, we take this victim mindset of, I mean, I, I'm looking for people like that, but ain't nobody out here willing to keep it 100. I mean, all these people, they're just complacent. It's hard to find people that want something out of life. And I'm just tired of looking, so I'm going to do it. But hear me. I'm going to talk about me, but I'm really talking about you, okay? <laughs> my lack of covenant friends is more my fault than it is their fault. Let me read a verse real quick. Proverbs 27, verse 6 says this. Faithful are the wounds of a... But the kisses of an enemy are deceitful. What we call friends are people who only tell us what we want to hear. What we call friends are people who are always gassing us up, tell man, you the man, you the man, you the man. Listen, you are the man, but you ain't that much of the man. You, you. And, and, and here's what I've discovered. Everybody has problems in their life. And nobody's looking for extra problems. So if as a real friend, it's my job to help you grow and encourage you and build you, but also maybe point out some areas where you're missing. If pointing out areas where you're missing brings me a headache, I'm not going to do it because I've already got enough headaches and I'm not looking for a new one. I remember I was visiting a, a French church, and I know friends watch this, so I'm not talking about you. Whatever insecure friend think I'm about to talk about you, I'm not talking about you. Some of the other friend. But it was years ago, it was a pastor friend of mine, and their church had just moved into a brand new building. and said, hey, come down for our first service in our brand new building. I'm like, this, by the way, this is what pastors do. This is, this is our hangout. Let's go see a new building. And so we go out, we go to their service and people come flooding in and parking and all this other kind of stuff. And we sit through the service and it was great. It was awesome. And afterwards we go out to eat. And my friend says, man, God moved and just many people got saved. And it was amazing. We're just celebrating. It was just awesome. And then my friend said, hey, did you see anything that you would change? And I did. I wrote 14 things down before the message started. But you know when somebody asks you that, you're like, are you just saying that to say that? Or do you really want to get better? Because I don't got time for the drama. So I was like, oh, yeah. I mean, it was amazing. I love the message, how you preach the entire Bible in one day. That was great. And man, that 15-minute song, that was spirit-filled. That was... If I were to change any, well, there was, you, you know how your screens went blank? Like every three minutes, it was distracting. I think you should keep something on the stream. It goes blank. I just, I just stopped. Just, anyway, no, no, no. We wanted it that way. We're trying to create a dramatic effect. I said, oh, yes. 
It's dramatic, all right. It's definitely dramatic. You nailed it. So, well, the other thing I saw is, you know, the y'all worship team's made. I've never heard these songs before in my life. So I was relying on the words on the screen. And, and I noticed that the words came up after we sang the sentence. And it was kind of hard for me to sing along because the words came up after. And, and no, 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 we want it that way because if people are reading the words, then they're not focusing on God. So we, we, we put them up afterwards on purpose. And I was like, well, you nailed it. I was focusing on God because I couldn't sing with y'all. And, and it went like this for about two more things. And, and then after he said, was there anything else? And I said, nope, nope, nope. It was perfect. It was perfect. There was, there was nothing. Some of us are really difficult to wound. So the wounds of a friend can be trusted. And your friend's like, uh, and you're like, whoa, don't, don't touch me. No, no, no. And we won't actually allow people to have our back. And can I be just keeping one, honey? If it's too hard to be your friend, I'm good. Because life is hard as it is. So what I've learned is I've got to force my friends to keep it real with me. I've got to, hey, Is there anything that you saw? And then shut my... Even if I don't agree, just... Do you know how hard it is to get honest critique or feedback of my preaching? By the way, not from Instagram. You guys give me critique every single day and... (sighs) Didn't ask for it, don't need it, but... (laughs) I'm honest, uh, and, and, and you know, I tell them, hey, what do you think about the message? Oh, God moved. It was a man. Yes, he did. But was point number two confusing? Did it tie in? No. It, and I've got over. No, no, for real. Like God moved. Yes, I worked. God, yeah. But there's always areas we can get better in. And we've, we, we've got to bring people to the place where we give them permission. I need you to watch my... Can, can we have group therapy for a second? I know y'all know I'm a little sarcastic. Okay, I'm a lot sarcastic. It's just, uh, and it's sanctified now. <laughs> Most of the time. <laughs> but it wasn't always this way. And you know what's so funny? I even know why I'm like this. I had a great upbringing. My parents loved God, loved each other, grew up in church and all that kind of stuff. I never got into, but everybody, no matter how perfect their life looks, everybody has their own fight. And our family's fight was health. When I was like 11, my older sister got diagnosed and, and had three brain surgeries. My sister, after her, was born premature, was in the hospital for months. My mom had three different battles for cancer. So from 11 to 26, there was a major health battle in my family. I mean, for over a decade. Can I be honest with you? It kind of hardens your heart. It kind of, you just just have this view of life that it's always going to be hard. And I realized as my heart started to get hard, my words did too. And it was just short. I mean, listen, I could tear you down in three seconds and say, you sensitive, it ain't me. 
And I remember I had one friend right, right after college, right before I, 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 I kind of stepped into ministry, and the friend pulled me and said, hey, Stephen, can we talk? I'm like, yeah. And he said, man, you're a man of God. You're anointed. God's going to do great. You ever been around somebody who's buttering you up? And you just know they're building me up because they're about to turn. And I'm like, man, just out with it. He's like, all right, Stephen, you're mean. Well, yo, mama. I mean, <laughs> there it goes again. <laughs> and I'm like, what are you talking about? And he's like, you just got a sharp tongue. He said, you don't realize this, but you're chasing people away because nobody wants to put up with that. And I'm like, you real? He's like, for real. I'm like, thank you. I'm, and 20 years later, look how far I've come. I'm doing good, huh? God works slowly sometimes. <laughs> Have you given anybody permission in your life? to point out where you're self-sabotaging. We're going to save this for the marriage conference because there's single folks in the room, but your spouse don't want to do it because every time they correct you, there is consequences and repercussions if you know what I'm talking about. I weigh my options and I'm not willing to give that up, so I am not correcting you. You on your You'll catch that in the parking lot. Point number two, write this down. <laughs> write this down. Friends that love to win with me. I'm looking for people that won't let me settle. I'm looking for people that love to win with me. Now, here's step number one. We won't win without difficult conversations. Because all progress is preceded by a difficult decision. So if my friendships are void of difficult conversations, we ain't going to win it much. But even after, I'm looking for people. Here, here, here's what the Bible says. The Bible says when they went into the camp and they saw all that the enemy had left behind, y'all, it was Mardi Gras in the middle of 2 Kings. They're going through tents, grabbing food, drink. I mean, they're living it up. And nobody's saying, your tent's bigger than my tent. It's not fair. That should be my horse. You, you ever been in a situation where you just had a big win? And you went to call, let's just make it real uncomfortable. You just got, I mean, like a major race. And you're like, oh, I'm going to call some. Uh. Nah, I ain't going to call them. I make more than them. They ain't going to be happy to me. <laughs> oh, I'm going to call. Hey, guess what? No. If I tell them 17 people are going to know before I even hang up the phone. I can't, I can't trust them. With Without even realizing it, you look around and you're like, I have no one to celebrate wins with. And just, it's not as fun to win if you're winning by yourself. It's just a different level. When, you, when, you, when you've got people that will, will celebrate as if it was their win personally. Here's what the Bible says in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 23. It says, let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering for he who promised is faithful. Leave this first up. Let me just, I'm not talking to the whole room. I'm just talking to, to, to you, you crazy people. You, 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 you workaholics. You won three eights on the Enneagrams. You people with no chill. Um, life's a marathon. Stop and celebrate. Hear me. Some of us were too goal oriented to pause. Can't, can't celebrate right now. I got my, my kids. I got to build them up into this. I, I got to get my money here. I got to go. No, stop. This is not a... You, sprinters, they put their head down and they go. You ever watched a marathon? I've never ran one, but I've watched one. They got cheerleaders on the side. Go, go, don't quit. 
That's what I would do because I ain't running. They got people on the side with cups of water and they're grabbing water and drinking one. Why? Because they know as long as I've got to run, I've got to pace myself and I've got to celebrate the mile markers to keep myself encouraged. You've got to celebrate. You ever hit a goal and as soon as you hit the goal, the goal changed? That's life. It will always be another goal. And if you're so goal-oriented, you'll be exhausted before you get there. It says, if you're going to hold fast the confession of hope without wavering, because God's faithful, will you be? Here's how you say it. He said, here's how you do it. Consider somebody else. It says, and let us consider one another. Why? In order to stir them up. To love and you need somebody in your life that is just a hype man or a hype woman. Like, listen, that you got this. That was amazing. Let's. Go. That's how you win. From now on, that's how you win. You need somebody that's just going, yeah. A lot of us don't have that. Can I go back? You know why we don't have that? Because we won't do that for anybody else. Notice it didn't say, let yourself be stirred up. Notice it didn't say, consider who's stirring you up. It says, consider somebody else. Think about somebody that does not have your last name. When's the last time you celebrated somebody else that did not benefit you at all? Come play this piano. I'm going to get canceled online real quick and... Y'all ready? Y'all good? Give me one second to talk to these people. That's why online is not church. Uh, Yeah, they just don't click off. Don't click off. Wait, wait, just (laughs) hear me out. Here's what Paul said. He said, you have many teachers, but few fathers. Monday, I get online, I see what everybody else preaching. I'm watching this pastor, watching this pastor, I'm watching Pastor Chris, I'm just watching. I'm just, you, can, you can be fed watching on YouTube, but you can't find family watching on YouTube. Here, here's what the Bible says in verse 25. It's the next verse. If you're going to last in this race, you've got to keep your faith. If you're going to keep the faith, you need people that are encouraging you on the marathon. Watch this. So please stop forsaking the assembling of ourselves together. As is the manner of some after the pandemic. I'm sorry, I'm adding verses. It's just, sheesh, I just, I thought it was there. And it's going to become more prevalent. That's what the Bible says. As the day of Jesus' return comes near. I can get a good word not connected to anybody. But I can't have someone cheer me on on my marathon. And I can't cheer somebody else on theirs unless I'm willing to do life with them. Last thing is this. Write this down. Write this down. Write this down. I'm looking for people that will not let me settle. I'm looking for people that are going to celebrate my wins. And I'm looking for friends that will push me to kingdom calling. Watch this. The first two things I mentioned can be done by an unbeliever. An unbeliever can encourage me to move forward in life. An unbeliever can, can celebrate when I win. But you've got to know my God if you're going to push me towards my purpose. You've got to have my faith if you're going to see the destiny that God has for me. 
And a lot of people have people in our lives that will cheer us on, but they're not motivating us to who God has called us to become. And watch this. The impact he has ordained us to have. Here's what it says in verse 9. It says, then they said to one another, after they had looted the enemy's camp, they said, y'all, we're not doing right. This is not good. This day is a day of, watch this, good news. All right, you ready for Sunday school trivia? What's another phrase for the gospel? The good news. His leper said, today's the day of the gospel. What's the gospel? The gospel is the good news is that my life is no longer dependent on my effort but it's dependent on his blood that was shed on the cross. The good news is that my past can be erased and my future secure because Jesus has made it possible for me to be adopted into his family. The good news is that every battle that I face from this day on, God is fighting on my behalf because I belong to him and he belongs to me. And here's what the leper said. We're doing wrong by keeping this to ourselves. Watch this. You, you got to see the prophetic imagery in here. It says, if we wait until morning light, some punishment will come upon us. What's morning light referring? The Bible says, weeping may endure for a night, but joy comes in the morning light is talking about the return of Jesus. So, hey, guys, if we keep the good news to ourselves until Jesus comes back, here's what a lot of Christians don't realize. There's going to be punishment for believers who don't share the hope of Jesus Christ with people who don't yet know our hope. So they'll therefore come, let us go and tell the king's household. The enemy had already been defeated, but the city did not know. And there was a city of people locked up in fear when these four lepers discovered something that nobody else knew. And they said, I'm so glad we didn't sit there and die. And I'm so glad we were able to celebrate. But I think God brought us together, watch this, to liberate a city. And I think we will be underserving the call of God on our lives if we keep this to ourselves. When's the last time you had a friend ask you, are we doing all that we can do to advance the kingdom of God? When's the last time you had a friend ask you, are you maximizing the anointing of God on your life? When's the last time you asked a friend, are you fulfilling your destiny? Because those are the type of covenant relationships that you need in your life. Now, Union Church, we have connect groups and we've created connect groups so that you can find people and connect and can I tell you something you, once again, are probably not going to expect to hear a pastor say? When you go to a connect group, everybody in that group is not covenant potential. Some of them are. Some of them are weird. <laughs> pastor, you need to get a softer heart. That's not nice, first of all. Second of all, there's nobody weird in my group. If I asked other people, they'd know who it was. <laughs> I'm, I'm being funny. But here, I'm, I'm, I'm not saying go to a group and this will be fixed in three weeks. Then I, it took me seven years of looking for covenant friends 
before I could find three men, and I know I don't have to preach. Men with men, women with women. Oh, you, no, no female best friends that ain't your wife. I don't got to preach that, do I? No, we good? All right, don't play with me. <laughs> it took me seven years to find three men of God that said, Stephen, I've got your back, and you can have mine, and we're going to move forward in all that. So you might have to do 18 months of connect groups to find one covenant friend. And then you may have to do another 18 months to find a second one. And it may be four years from now before you have, but it's worth it. On that day where you feel like giving up on that race that you're running and God puts on that person's heart that text message that says, I don't know why I'm texting you. God just put you on my heart and I just need you to know you all that in a bag of chips. Don't dare you quit because there's a call of God on your life and you're like, I don't know how you knew, but this came at the exact time I needed it. Thank. It's worth it. If you're serious about maximizing the life that God has given you, plug your hot water heater in outlet and be committed to finding covenant friends. Father God, we're grateful. We're thankful. God, that you're faithful. God, your word said that you are a friend that sticks closer than a brother. Just we are with your eyes closed and your head bowed. If you could pray this prayer with me, say, Holy Spirit, what are you saying to me? And just give God a moment to make this time, to make this message personal to you. I think for all of us, we're evaluating our friendships and realizing, man, maybe I need to be more of a covenant friend. But you've got to understand this. That the Bible says that Jesus really is a friend. It's wild because he's creator, he's God, he's judge, he's king, but, but yet he wants a real relationship with you. And I say this every week, everything that we need fixed in our lives, it begins with getting our Jesus relationship right. So I don't know where you find yourself, but let's start there. Can you honestly say you have a friendship with Jesus? Maybe you're like me, you grew up in church and you believe in God, but You didn't even know that he wanted a friendship with you. Or maybe you're new to this whole church thing and you're just like, I'm just taking this all in. Well, here's step number one. Will you let Jesus in your life? How do I even start a friendship with God? It starts like most friendships with a conversation. Committed to you, will you be committed to me? If you say, Pastor, that's me, I... I need a relationship with Jesus the way you're talking about. You could start that right now. Just pray this prayer. He's already here. And he's been waiting for this moment. Say, Lord Jesus, thank you for desiring to be in my life. Thank you for coming to this earth and dying on the cross so that all of my sin and all of my mistakes can be erased. Right now, I accept you into my heart. Be my Lord and my Savior and use me for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen and amen and amen. Come on, church, can you?